Whistler party scene. How would you describe it? Oh my gosh. It's fucking amazing. It's casual and it's fucking amazing. Honestly, biggest word is casual. <laughs> so all you do is enjoy yourself. Hey, we're trying to party right now. There's people that come here that want to party. Why do people come here? Why, if you want to party, why do you come here? Because it's a good time, man. People always place, are looking Steve. for somewhere to go that isn't home. And they want to go somewhere. You just want it, man. Yeah. They just want to party. Everybody wants to party. Absolutely insane. It's so much fun. I'm 47 years old, and I feel like I'm 23. The vibe, it's... Uh, totally energetic. Everybody has a positive attitude. You get up early, you, you do your sport activity, no one makes any money, and then you continue on in the evening with drinks, food, happy, like, cold, I don't know, enter, energized. It's young and old. Okay, we are back here in the Mountain Mythic Party Limo for another episode of everyone's favorite podcast. Do you, do you think that's an accurate statement that I just said? Uh, I mean, we're not on the iTunes charts yet, but I'm sure we're going to get there someday. It's, it's my favorite podcast. It's, oh, well, that's all that counts, man. <laughs> if we're just doing it for us, I mean, we're sitting here in a 40-year-old's grungy old limo. It's, it's not grungy. Us. It's a very nice... It's the Mountain Mythic Party Limo. So so set the scene for people. Just to, so everyone... We, last episode, we talked about... Uh, possibly acquiring a limousine to record our our podcast, so we'd have a setting befitting of the high quality and luxury of our of our show. Yeah. Um, and we've actually acquired this limo. It is a black uh, Lincoln Town Car limousine. Uh, let's tell us to describe. We're inside right now. We're tell inside. Us, We're in the describe back seat the scene of the Mountain us. Mythic Party Limo. There's some nice uh, fold leather seating that it's kind of squeaky. We both got our feet kicked right out. There's oh, lots of there's leg lots room. Lots of leg room. There's a disco ball hanging from the roof. Oh, there's even look at if you look up here. You guys can't see this, but there's a we can control the music if we were if, oh, we, if we had some fancy. music bumping in here. There's, there's, there's some a, there's some faux wood uh, like mini bars here. There's a like a beautiful four inch. Four TV, inch, big screen, four inch <laughs> audio box. It looks called. like it looks like this is where disco went to die. <laughs> I'm gonna just say that. I'm gonna. Say, I mean that in the nicest way possible. I love this limousine. It looks right? like you know the mob used this car to transport corpses. How many people do you think died in this limo? At least four. Yeah, at least. So yeah, I'm Brayden Dupuis here with my Peak News Magazine colleague Brandon Barrett, uh, recording yet another episode of everyone's favorite podcast, Mountain Mythic. It is. I'm pretty sure it's everyone's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone I, that I've talked to is like, yeah, that's my I, I'm not going to deny it. No one's told podcast. me that it's their favorite, but I'm just going to assume. It's my mom's favorite. I know that. Oh, really? I can confirm that. Is she an avid podcast listener? I don't know. Good she talk. listens to this one. Good talk. <laughs>
Uh, but yeah, anyways, this is going to be a cool episode, and our, our new uh, studio is very fitting for this episode. So yeah, this is the party episode, and who better to talk about partying than you and I, two noted wild men, dancing machines, generally uncontrollable party animals. Um, yeah. No, uh, that's not no, true. That's a horrible, horrible <laughs> um, lie. Let, so how would you describe the party? I mean, Whistler for a long time, I mean, I think even before Whistler became the ski mecca that it is today... There was that that culture of partying. I mean, you heard about you know the hippie era that you know when people are squatting in cabins, they have they would have these weekend long ragers uh, at Toad Hall on Green Lake. Um, everyone in town knew knew about it. Um, you know, some wild some wild stories have come out of that era, and that has sort of continued. I think in today, I mean, it's it's shifted, it's evolved, but that we still are known for our party culture and our vibrant nightlife here. Oh, definitely. And I mean, you can just see it. I mean, maybe it's not the same level that it was back in the, the glory days or whatever you want to call them. But if you're in, on any weekend when you're out in the village, you see the people who come here explicitly to party, the bachelor parties, that kind of thing. I mean, there's definitely still has that, that party vibe to it in the village. Yeah, and I mean, you just have to be here on like uh, one of our you know, more signature weekends, whether it's Crankworks or May Long Weekend or World Ski and Snowboard yeah, and that, Festival. that's the big one right now. That's happening right right now. World right, yeah, and, and, and it's it's just a t- 11-day festival <laughs> of decadence and people, you know, it seems like the whole town gets drunk do after you? a certain are you, hour. Do you, are you pretty decadent? I, I, I consider myself a pretty decadent man. Really? Yeah, I like the finer things oh. in life. Yeah, you, you don't. <laughs> no. Why do you think we're in a limo right no, now? That's true. We are. We are. We don't. We, this limo doesn't even work. But limo. we just. We just want to sit and bask in the luxuriousness that's... of this 1979 Lincoln Town Car. Are you sure it's a 79? I'm just guessing. I'm throwing yeah. it out there. That's when disco died. Well, it's got some pretty. I mean, modern features in here though. That TV. Yeah, maybe 80s. I would say maybe like early to 90s. mid 80s. I'm gonna say I 90s. I think you're being a little. We should figure this out. Giving this a little bit, car a little bit too much credit. Before we get it on the road, we should figure out some more details about it. Right. We should so get you to guys, know this all bad of our way. faithful listeners, for everyone's favorite podcast, Mountain Mythic, can expect more details about the Mountain Mythic limo next month. When, okay. When we're on the road, we're gonna actually. Are we actually gonna go on the road? Yeah. Are you, are you gonna fix this up? Are well, you gonna? Are you gonna get your tools me personally, out? I don't know. I'm, but do I look like I'm a mechanic? Sort of. Yeah. Do I? Yeah, you do. You got a mechanic <laughs> vibe going on, for sure. So, before we get too far off topic here, why don't you just tell everyone what we've got in store for this episode? What are we after here with this one? I think what we were really trying to get at with this episode is looking at what is it that makes Whistler's party culture distinct if anything um you know it has how has it evolved over the years and and more importantly we want to look at the dark side of that i mean like anything there are the good and the bad and and there's always the hangover after the binge right so you know we 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 wanted to look at that um you know um the effect of drug use on in the resort we talked to a few uh people who've been around the block in whistler have seen their fair share of parties over the years yeah yeah Obviously, it's not all bright and sunny. It's not all good things. You talked about that. There's always the hangover. You're gonna, you're gonna later in the episode. We're gonna have a produced piece by you about some of the downsides of partying and the party scene here in Whistler. Uh, we're also gonna have some guests here join us inside the the limo right away. Yeah, we have uh, two legendary locals, Ace McKay Smith, aka DJ Foxy Moron. And Scott Arkwell, a.k.a. Vinyl Richie. Digging through the crates. Who have, uh, 
you know, provided the soundtrack to many a parties in Whistler over the years. So we talked to them about, you know, how have things changed? What have they seen in the in the party culture, the drug scene, uh, the music scene, the club scene? Like, what what are they seeing these days compared to um, the parties of yesteryear? All right. Party on. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to pour ourselves a drink here in the party limo uh, while we wait for our first guest. Stick around for more mountain benefits. So we are here in the luxurious confines of the Mountain Mythic Party Limo. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, it is raining outside, but it's hot in here. Oh, let me tell you. Let sweaty. me tell you. We are here with a couple of uh, local legends, if I do say so myself. We are here with Ace McKay-Smith, a.k.a. DJ Foxy Moron. Uh, go-go dancer, DJ, party planner, artist, radio host, uh, renaissance woman, really. Did you, did you cover all the bases with that Is that, that everything? I, I sound super flaky. <laughs> No, you're diverse. That's a good thing. And we're also here with Scott Arkwell, aka Vinyl Richie. Um, you know, digging in the digging in the crates. I, I don't know. To, how would you introduce yourself? Well, that's what I do. I yeah. dig in the crates. Yeah, dusty. Very I'm a dusty. crate digger. <laughs> so uh, today, guys, we are here talking about uh, Whistler's infamous party culture, party scene. It's obviously something that's been a part of our culture here since, you know, the early days, since the hippie countercultural movement. Um, I'm sure it's evolved over the years. You guys have been here for how long now? This is actually my 30th anniversary. Really? Wow. (laughs) Wow. Any big parties planned for the 30th year? No, but good idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. Like, if the chances are, if you've been Whistler long enough and you've, you know, party down, you shake your booty, uh, one of you guys, there's a good chance one of you guys provided the soundtrack to it, or at least you were there, uh, you know, observing from, from somewhere. Digging uh, through some crates. <laughs> <or something. laughs> some crates. In the background. <laughs> yeah. um, so you guys have, I think, a pretty unique uh, sort of insight into the party scene here in Whistler, and, and I'm curious, you know, in your time here, you know, how have you seen it change? What was it like back in the day compared to now? Well, I mean, obviously there was a whole scene before I ever got here, too. Like you said, the, the hippie counterculture, Toad Hall and all that. But uh, when I got here, like, there was Club 10 and Buffalo Bills and um, uh, the Beagle and Tommy's, I guess. And, uh, and oh, what was I going to say? Sorry. <laughs> um, I Oh, yeah. I was going to say that I would sometimes go in the bar and there'd be, like, three girls in the bar. And you'd be like, okay. You got that corner, you got that corner. <laughs> so not much has changed. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> it's still a little bit of a sausage party, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but tell me about the, the atmosphere. What was it like? Like, do you, do you think it was different being in those clubs compared to what we're seeing today? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel that back then the clubs had a little bit more of their own personality. So, you know, you kind of would go to Buffalo Bills for sort of the cowboy vibe, and then you'd go to Tommy's for like more of the the dance vibe and then the beagle something else but you you kind of they were more themed i guess and now i feel like on a saturday night you'll go out and it's kind of the same music and most of the clubs yeah like a club is a club kind of type yeah of. they're all gonna play drake or whatever the, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the kids so, are listening to so that part i kind of miss i miss the the personality of each of the bars was that something that you could actually like track and see change over time uh, it kind of happened gradually but probably mostly in the last like 10 years I'd say yeah what do you think it was I guess that, that led to that change that, that everything is kind of the same now 
Brainwashing <laughs> by Corporate corporations and no. bad record companies. <laughs> well, that's a great point. That's something that we were going to ask you guys about. Is uh, what has the corporatization of Whistler done to the town? Yeah, well, I don't. I don't know if it's the music that did that to the clubs that they feel like they have to do that. I, like it's almost like chickening out a little bit. <laughs> like. I don't know. Yeah, like maybe if, uh, if a club doesn't go that same route as everyone else, they're going to lose some of that audience? Yeah, maybe they're afraid. Or maybe when somebody comes in, like, what? You're not going to play that song? Well, I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> but... I'm going to go where they will play Drake. <laughs> but it's indicative of, I think, of the wider sort of music industry. You see less, you know, less people taking chances. You, you know, whatever's on the radio is pretty, you know, generic. And, and you know, there is a certain sound, I think, that people want to hear on commercial radio and I think the clubs sort of mimic that, right? I right. Mean, is that sort of what you guys have seen? Yeah, and I guess it's, I mean, it's about money, essentially, too. It's like they they feel like they, they, they'll lose people for that. But, I mean, some of the nights that we've done, like, you know, like the, when we used to do the Fire Rock night, which was all 45s, and then people would come in, like, <laughs> sometimes they'd say, can you play Beyonce? They're like, sorry, she doesn't have 45. <laughs> but everywhere else will play that for you. So, like, yeah. so that was kind of a... Some places, I guess, you can you can have a theme night and then people know what they're getting into. But yeah. it seems to me like it's a little bit of a it's a watering down of the culture. You're seeing less personality, less um, you know uniqueness in the, yeah. in, the, in the scene. And uh, yeah, I think that's that sort of speaks to what's happening in Whistler as a whole. You're seeing, you know, maybe a little bit of a loss of that culture. And, and you know, it's it's easy to fall into that trap of sounding like the old man, you know, yelling at a cloud, like, back in my day, the kids, they used to... But like, I do think there's something, as a, as a resort, we, we promote ourselves as, on one hand, you know, this... Uh, family-friendly destination. On the other hand, we tout it as this. Oh, we have this very, you know, uh, you know, vibrant nightlife, mm-hmm. and you can come and indulge all of your, all of your, you know, basis desires. But I wonder, do you guys think? I mean, it's true, right? Yeah. I, it's true. And I think, like, do you think that sort of um, that dichotomy is that? Can those two things balance effectively, or can you ha- can you have one with the other? Well, I think you can, because I just remember when I was a kid in the 70s up at the ski hill, and it'd be like, there'd be like fun party, like the apres was always really fun, but kids were kind of involved, but they also weren't afraid to, you know, be out all, I don't know, like I saw streakers go off jumps, and it didn't really hurt me <laughs> for the future. I don't know. Maybe I don't feel did. scarred Maybe from it. <laughs> you did become a I DJ. I really like streakers. That's, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, we wanted to ask you that too. We can talk about the culture again, but, um, and sort of, you know, if, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I wonder, you guys must have some crazy stories from all your years, you know, behind the, behind the turntables. Like, what have you seen that's memorable, crazy? Like, give us, give us some stories. And you, mind you, this doesn't have to be PG. Uh, you can be. As... I don't know where to start. <laughs> uh, Johnny Thrash. <laughs> no. oh, yeah. uh, Johnny Thrash getting naked multiple times and climbing chimneys or beams or whatever that's kind of a common one zeppos back in the day but that was like a house party thing so that was Tell sort us of, a little bit about that what was that like uh, it was awesome because i mean it, it was like there's not well i guess there is house parties now but back then it was kind of like the t- though almost like everybody in the town could go to the house party because they're 
wasn't that many people or as many people. But uh, his, it was almost like the Playboy Mansion of Whistler. Because <laughs> Zeppo was kind of this, like, James Bondy kind of guy. <laughs> he was? Well, I don't know. He was... Well, tell us who, what, you know, who Zeppo was for the uninitiated, oh, yeah, for sorry. people who, who don't know who he was. Uh, he, well, he owned a house here, and he was very welcoming. Like, so uh, kids would come into town, and he had rooms you could rent in his place. And then he had hot tub outside, and he had, like, I don't know, look like McDonaldland chairs right on the patio. But, but it was kind of like the grotto. <laughs> <laughs> the hot tub, the way he, his house was, and but I don't he came, know. He, he came to town though as a logger, and he as a logger, yeah. And he logged, you know, some of the original runs up there. Yeah, that's right. He cut a lot of the runs, but he was—he was just a, a really fun, nice guy, and uh, when I, he was a legend. Yeah, like Rabbit yeah. and those kind of guys, but. But he would have a party, like every Halloween. Well, he'd have lots of parties, but Halloween, his parties were infamous. <laughs> yeah. I've heard about these Me parties. Yeah. Everybody would just show up, and he was all welcoming, and there was like a ton of rooms in his house with bizarre things but in and it, all, everybody's costumes were completely homemade and they all stayed in character the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> and there was no DJs then. There was no. just like different music in every room, and what you got was what you got. Yeah. And... uh Ah, that was it was dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I heard those were sort of the precursor to uh, the masquerade uh, parties that Barefoot ended up having, and he like they, I know that they were sort of trying to, uh, you know, continue that vibe. And, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't the same, but I, you know, we've I've heard about the masquerades as well. But it's funny that they had this sort of you know precursor in in Seppo's parties. Um, that, yeah, that's interesting. I was thinking too, I mean, like as someone who's only been here a few years, like, I mean, I hear these kind of stories and you hear about the way Whistler's culture used to be and these kind of things, but I don't know if I feel like that that's still here. Like, it seems to me like, as we talked about, things are more homogenized and it's just, you need a permit to throw a party. Yeah. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're, there's people, I guess, trying to keep it alive. Like, uh, I'm, I personally, like with the hot dog and party, I kind of like throw the party at the end of the ski and snowboard fest for all the people who had to work during the ski and snowboard fest and then you know let it kind of go a little wilder like the ski ballet on the thing and the i don't know things that maybe yeah it wouldn't happen at a corporate party we're not, <laughs> we're not gonna shove a bunch of hot dogs in our mouth <laughs> you wouldn't there's no no kind of party so like, i mean that... i haven't been to that corporate party yet yeah, like... <laughs> That kind of thing is still here. It's just maybe a little bit harder to find, which is probably the way it should be, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, there's... I mean, there's the full moon parties aren't around anymore, but those were those were definitely, like, felt like old Whistler, you know, mm. the once a month full moon out in the bush. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely probably a bit harder to do those things anymore. Like, house parties, there's more people close to you complaining or... Yeah. <laughs> And, and nowadays you are, uh, you do some programming for WSSF for State of the Arts, the, their art show. Um, but I know you have a long sort of connection with uh, the festival. And like in its early days, you put on the closing party and, uh, you know, it sort of evolved into, you know, some now some of their signature events. Tell me a little bit about those parties and what you were doing back then. Um, well, I guess I'd been, like, I'd traveled a bit at that time in my life, so I'd see, I'd gone to some of these, like, bigger parties that, they, you know, they're called raves back then, obviously, <laughs> now it's kind of like a bad word, <laughs> but, uh, so I really love the create, creativity that came out of those, you know, where they take you to different locations and decorated it like crazy, and, and, and it was, like, just, it was so different from regular nightclubs, I guess, and then, when I came back here, I'm like, oh, we should do one of those parties. And then I, I talked to uh, Doug, who started the festival, and said, 
hey, I'm thinking about throwing a party. And I talked to the conference center. So we actually did it at the conference center. But we wanted it to go late because those kind of parties always were all night parties. But the only way you could do that was to have no alcohol. So I'm like, okay, well, what should we do? Close at one or go all night and not serve booze and then be able to like, and then also all the work that you put into decorating and stuff is not just like, okay, three hours, we're done. Flip the switch. Let's take it down. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of the reason for the no alcohol. But um, Were there other substances involved? Well, I, sure there were. <laughs> I, I personally was like trying to make the party as like interesting enough on its own with multiple rooms we had visuals and we built like crazy like things you walk through and we had pillows on the ground i don't know we just made all these little different cool areas that you could have a little adventure in the room which is what i liked about going to raves too i love dancing i like music and i like ooh, what's in this room <laughs> But you have to explain all the red tape and the footloose scenario that you had to go through to throw a dance party. Well, because it was so new at the time, too. So I actually had to go to uh, one of the the council meetings and do a presentation like footloose. (laughs) (laughs) This will be the Alice in Wonderland room. I I think we'd done one party and then the next one they were like saying, oh, we don't know about this because there's there's a bunch of stuff in the news about raves. So they suddenly got scared and then... And so we had to do this whole presentation, and then a bunch of people that went to the party the year before were all in the back, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what year would that have been? Love, yeah, that, what year was that? Ooh, I should have looked, but, um, mm. like, early 2000s. Yeah, and if anything, yeah. like, the red tape thing has only gotten worse since yes, then. Yeah. Yes, but but then it was funny, so I went to the council thing, and then my closing statement or whatever was... Um, well, I would just love if you guys would come to it this year, and if you don't like it, that's fine. Like, But at least come and check it out, because none of you have been to it before. And so I invited them all to come for free, and then a few of the council members did show up, and I brought them in, took them a tour, and that's when it was in Mountain World, actually. And then, uh, uh, and one of them, seven in the morning, the party finished at eight, seven in the morning, I was walking through, like, I was kind of tired, and I was like, okay, are they still dancing? Uh, and then I look over, and one of the council members is still there, leaning on the desk. Da- I was like, He's naked. <laughs> <laughs> You're still here, and I pointed at him, like, okay, this party is happening next year. That's You're here amazing. at seven in the morning. <laughs> Do you care to divulge who this counselor is? Or uh, res- He's a lawyer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the people <laughs> infer their, their own. Uh, he has a four-letter first name. Starts with N. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that you know, that's interesting that you, um, you know, you put on these alcohol-free parties, and obviously, you know, you know, the booze flows freely in Whistler. We know that um, it's a big part of the culture here. I'm wondering, like, do you think it's a hard place for people that maybe that don't want to drink? That's they're not interested in that sort of thing. Maybe they've you know, wrestled with substance issues in the past. Do you think it's a hard place to, to live and, and and be? I think it probably is, like, the first year you come because everything's so... I mean, it's pretty exciting, and it's pretty easy to get caught up. Oh, let's go to Apre. Oh, now we're going here. Oh, oh. like, I get caught up still sometimes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. If you want longevity here, then you have to learn to, like, pace yourself, and maybe you're going out once a month and staying up too late, or I don't know, but... Yeah, I don't know. What do you say about that? It's like anything. It's like a certain mindset that people have moderation and only, you know, you can only tell yourself, like, how much you can indulge 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's for sure tricky when people first come here and it, and especially if you don't have a lot of experience with that kind of thing, you know, yeah. that, that, but now the DJs are so crap that you have to get messed <laughs> up. <laughs> you guys excluded. Of course. <laughs> well, we, can, we can fall into that category easily too, depending on what you're into. <laughs> I was thinking too, I mean, it's kind of a town where there is, if you are committed to staying sober, there's probably a lot of things that can distract you from that too. I mean, there's lots of motivation to stay clean and sober. Well, that's the thing. I think like powder skiing for one, like there's a lot of times where you're out and you're like, Oh, I could easily keep going, but I think it's going to be 20 centimeters tomorrow. So that can also be a deterrent. Whereas if you're in the city, maybe it's harder to, to do that. Sure. But I mean, I, like you mentioned about the dancing, I started out dancing in the club. So that's how I uh, go out and I was getting paid to dance. So I, and then I didn't drink when I danced because I didn't want to fall off the speaker. <laughs> so I felt like I was still in the party, but I was getting exercise. And so I kind of got used to being in clubs without drinking a lot and still having fun. So, I don't Which know. Which is such a rare thing. I think that's, I think there's, yeah, how many people can say that? Like, even even myself, when you go out in the village, you're like, well, I guess I gotta, I guess I gotta drink. And that's what I mean. I think there is that mentality that even when you don't want to, it's such a part of the culture here that, you know, all your friends are doing it. I'm not saying, you know, even people without drinking problems, they fall into that trap where it's like, well, when in Rome, you know, and, and you sort of, you know, you indulge. And I wonder, like, do you think that there is a... Um, a culture of openness and discussing these kind of things. Like if your friend does have, you know, maybe an alcohol problem, do you think Whistler uh, promotes a culture where it can be discussed openly and honestly? Or do you think maybe it's a little swept under the rug? Um, Depends who you're dealing with. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you've, you've had a had few friends where you had... We've had to have lots of interventions with friends, but we're in the business of selling booze and drugs, so people get caught up in it. But so, yeah, but then if somebody is like, like if someone's blowing it, you got to tell them if you if, yeah. if that's your friend. They're not skiing anymore. They're not. You know, yeah. it's just all about that. Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've had. I haven't had to do that with anybody. I, I've but, never had yeah. a problem telling people that yeah. they're blowing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, that's what friends are for. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah you need, totally. You, you need, need the, someone to check you. Yeah, you do check uh, yourself before you wreck yourself. And they probably know already, so it's just like okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Just need someone to actually yeah. say so it many you. casualties of war here, like just from the DJ booth. I'm the same as her because I'd be in the DJ booth. I'd have a few beers, but I wouldn't be, you know, the party would be kicking off all around me. And I'd see the same people. Oh, this guy over here, this guy's doing his little deal here. She's over here doing her <laughs> thing. And they're all like messed up. And I'd see it every night. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. like it's a weird thing to watch go down. Yeah, I I mean I definitely don't like when I'm out and I'm like, okay, everybody tonight is is acting really weird. Like, what are they on? Like, there's <laughs> those nights where I'm like, there's like no cohesion going on here. Like, when people are just it's chaos. There's so many different types of drugs now too. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't know. Some of those drugs I feel like maybe aren't as social or so. I don't know. There's a lot of drugs drugs that I've never done and and probably won't do. Because I think it, I'm, I stick to more things that come from the ground. The names aren't fun. <laughs> Don't do it if the names aren't fun. Yeah, if they have letters and numbers in them. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> if they sound like a science project. Yeah. Yeah. Acid. Why would anyone want to do acid? <laughs> that doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound fun. Right? <laughs> I wonder, like, as you know, you guys have been here three years. Obviously, the drug scene has changed uh, tremendously over that time. 
how are you how are you seeing the drugs of today influencing the party culture of Whistler? I def I definitely think well we've had discussions about this like whether the music the type of music that comes out affects the type of drugs people do or whether the drugs affect the kind of music that's made. So um, like dubstep, for example, I kind of feel like that maybe was the t- a type of drug that made people make this certain type of music that was like dark and everybody like uh, yeah, didn't really me. dance. <laughs> but it was a totally different vibe from like like the happy you know, funky yeah. house of the, the the raves that I used to go to. That was like everybody like got really got down, and you looked at each other, and you weren't like facing the DJ. Like I want everyone to not ever yeah. face the DJ. Like turn around, and look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> when ecstasy came to town, though, it was a game changer. I totally noticed. Yeah. Especially being in the DJ booth. It was yeah, like, no doubt. Yeah, that was a that was this the same thing. That type that type of drug. That, but then like, the drugs got. Up. Then the drugs got sketchier and got darker and got heavier and then people got more into them. And, yeah. And then they used this music DJing scene as a facade for their drug habits. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's like a weird thing. Oh, well, totally. I mean, it's the same kind of thing you see when you go to Pemby Fest and you see all these kids who are just there to just get really fucked up. And yeah. Like, we saw this documentary recently called What's in My Bag. It's on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Where, like, people at festivals, they just bring their drugs to these testers. And then, you know, the kids are telling the testers what they supposedly bought, you know, and then they're like, oh, this is pure MDMA. Da, 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 da. And then they test it and then they tell them what's in their drugs. Right. Yeah. And most of the time it's like not at all. Bath salts and meth. <laughs> oh, my God. The kids are like, oh, that's pure MDMA. So the kids are doing like bath salts and meth and think they're thinking that they're having ecstasy just speed. Yeah. And they're out of their fucking minds. It's crazy. Yeah. What's in my bag? Check it out on YouTube. Yeah. And I think it was like nine. It seemed like nine nobody out of ten was getting, were wrong. Yeah, nobody <laughs> was getting the shit that they were. That does yeah. not surprise me at all. No. Yeah. And that's why Shambhala is sort of unique and among some of the festivals in this region because they are free from sort of the corporate sponsorship and they actually have those text testing kits readily available out in the open. Yeah. And they encourage people. To, to use them. I'm not I think, sure if it's working though. Well, I mean, I think it's a better than it must, it's an option. It's, it's no. a better option than you know. You go to you know other festivals where it's sort of again you do it in private. You do it in you know your tent with your friends. You don't know exactly what you're getting. But I think if it's out in the open, people are going to do it anyway. You go to these festivals. It's going to be done. You might as well create an environment that's that's safer. Totally. Where kids can know what they're doing and that's know true, what they're yeah. ingesting, and it's. It's a shame that some of these other festivals that have, you know, corporate interests at play are unwilling to adopt some of these harm reduction measures that Shambhala has, I think. You'd think it'd be even more important to them yeah. for obvious reasons. But they don't want to admit that there's drugs going down at the... They don't want to be associated with yeah. that, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, there used to be... Uh, I mean, even when we, when we threw those raves <laughs> back then, uh, there was a, a thing called dancesafe.org. And um, so I would tell everybody, like go to that just to learn about what each thing is because it had these great descriptions and chemi- like all the information about all the if you're going to take something at least yeah. know what you're getting into and what it might do and what not to mix it with and for all sure that, that education is such a huge part of it that is just kind of missing and especially in our culture where it's like drugs are just you no know, everything's illegal everything's bad yeah and, yeah and you look at even the legalization of these kinds of drugs and when they do legalize them and educate about them these kind of associated deaths and things like that go way down and crime and things like that yeah 
Always educational. Well, it's weird that people are so <laughs> conscious about like eating healthy and living healthy yeah. and all this stuff, but then they'll snort something that they don't even know. Give me that green shit. Yeah. 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 I'm vegan though. Yeah, I'm a vegan too, but I'll snort that, whatever it is. Fucking weird. Right on. Well, uh, I think that uh, we're pretty much uh, at our limit for time here. So uh, we got to thank you guys so much for coming into the Mountain Mythic Party Limo. <laughs> it's starting to steam up in here. <laughs> Squeaking in the background. What's that? Yeah, we dusted off the old limo. We thank you guys. We're sorry the, the accommodations you. weren't ideal. Oh, next episode, it's going to be here. it's going to be moving next time. <laughs> I love it. How much you guys renting this out for? <laughs> <laughs> you probably sell it. To you don't want to know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. And, Jennifer Jansen has a love-hate relationship with Whistler. The love comes from its stunning natural beauty, and her son Marty's affinity for the ski town he called home for a handful of months. The hate stems from a much darker reality. Whistler is where 19-year-old Marty took his last breath, found in his bedroom alone one September night, dead from a lethal combination of cocaine and sleeping pills. It was not how Marty's story was supposed to end. So, you know, and that's probably the hardest thing that I have to reconcile with how he died because it meant with the person who left and and then the person the way he died just sort of the two don't go together i mean you know we... that's jennifer who i spoke with one recent morning over facetime from her home outside of sydney australia marty was in many ways the quintessential whistler transplant young athletic outdoorsy fresh out of high school he had aspirations to be a phys ed teacher or maybe a helicopter pilot in the Royal Australian Air Force. But first, Marty wanted to see the world. He worked three jobs to save up enough money for his trip, bought a bunch of ski gear secondhand, and in the summer of 2014, said goodbye to his family and left for Whistler, primed for the new adventure at hand. He went by himself. He didn't plan to go with anybody. He just wanted to meet people and to be part of the culture. Landing a job at a local hotel, it didn't take long for Marty to settle into his new home. He had an infectious smile, a warmth that was undeniable, and he fell in with a group of fellow Aussies who showed him the ropes. Of course, there were the late nights and hungover mornings, part and parcel of the work-hard, play-hard lifestyle of Whistler's transient population. Just a few days before he died, Marty Skyped with his parents, filling them in on his newly secured winter job as a ski concierge and a trip to Mexico he was planning with some friends. We said to him, Marty, please don't go to Mexico. You know, it's such a dangerous place, you know, from what we've heard. You know, you know and you're thinking, oh, the drug culture in Mexico is absolutely massive. You know, there's so many people get killed down there. It's just, you know, please don't go there. And he said, no, it's all good, Mum. We're all safe. We'll all stick together. We'll all look after each other. 
and basically they were his last words and um, my husband turned to me and said, hey, aren't we lucky we don't have to worry about our kids? The last thing they ever expected was to get that knock on the door from police telling them that Marty had died in an idyllic ski resort halfway around the world. So unbelievable. It was like, no, you know, because A, it was Canada, it was Whistler. It's a clean, clean town. Like, you know, no one does, you know, in our naivety. No, we didn't know about the drug culture at all. So it was just so confronting that he passed away that way. It was... So I do very much feel Marty was naive. He was part of the culture. They're such a transient population too. So there's this constant new people coming in and, uh, you know, the dealers are all just waiting there on the side. They, they just see this new new flesh come in, new money coming in. You know, really, I don't think they care at all. It's just, okay. Now, Jennifer is working tirelessly in her native Australia and with Vancouver Coastal Health here in BC on a campaign to raise awareness of her son's death and the dangers of the various illicit substances on the market. She's hopeful that Marty's death doesn't become, as she put it, just a blur in the history of Whistler. How how do we make it more uh, poignant in Whistler? I'm not quite sure. Who's willing to listen? Who's willing... You know, in in the government organisations of Whistler, in the councils, who's willing to say, look, this has happened to this young man, come from Australia, he was just coming for, you know, a season or two, but he went home in a coffin, you know. Sean Casilius. Sean wasn't quite sure how to react when his best friend Maddie started to lecture him one night on the dangers of mixing drugs. Right. Well, that night when I showed up to meet up after work, um, he he sat me down and we were all talking and he said, "Sean, you don't know when you mix drugs together what's in what and how much of what can can kill you. It can even be a tiny little amount." And I said, it was okay, okay, I get it. He goes, no, no, you got to understand. I thought I knew. I thought I was an expert. Um, I thought I, I, I knew what I was doing. And and uh, you just, you, you never know what's going to happen or, or how much. It was an innocuous seeming rant in the moment that wound up being eerily prescient. Do what to you? And he sort of went on and on about that for, for about an hour. And it was a very strange conversation to me. You know, I said, well, okay, Matt, I'm, I, I get it. I'm listening. And that was basically the last conversation we had, because he was dead two hours later. Maddie, a big brawny outdoorsman, the sort of man's man that this part of the world seems to attract, doesn't fit the typical picture of an overdose victim. A certified health nut, Maddie was known to eat the entire fruit, skin, roots, and all. It's just, it's just 
so ironic, you know, you think you hear these stories about addicts, you know, on the street who've been abusing and using for years and years and years. Not somebody who eats the, the root, celery root, you know. But like a lot of resort residents, Matt would dabble with drugs on occasion to blow off steam. His overdose last year from a mixture of coke, ecstasy, and methamphetamines was proof enough to Sean that, despite his friend's prophetic warning, he still failed to grasp the true danger of what he was doing. And he believes Maddie isn't alone in that. We would go out music festivals together and, and, and we'd, we'd do drugs there and go dancing and have a good time. You know, like, like that's what it meant to me. That's what drugs meant to me is, you know, you go use them appropriately and, and you know, properly and you have a good time. And that's what they're for. So it's kind of confusing now when it's just like you're going out to have a good time and you end up dead. It's 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 hard to process that, you know. And then looking at all the other people who are, who are doing it around in these kind of communities where it's popular, you, you see all the risk that they're taking. They're not even aware they're taking. Another element of this story that can't be overlooked is one that Sean hadn't considered until we spoke. He and Maddie had spent months on end living out of a van, unable to pay the skyrocketing rents that have become par for the course in Whistler's increasingly tight housing market. I was never home. I could never afford $900 a month. And and I was never there, so I decided not to pay rent. And it is very stressful. It was very hard. And yeah, I was, you know, I was on my time off, my days off, I was just blowing off steam. And that stress is... is if I had what I needed in a nice place and I have some bit of security, my decision-making would change, yeah. The Whistler of today is really a story of two different resorts. There's the fitness-obsessed, family-friendly, outdoor haven that gets promoted the world over. Then there's the Whistler that's a little tougher to find, the one where tourists flocked to let loose and indulge their more hedonistic impulses. You won't hear about that version much in the glossy tours of magazines or 30-second TV spots that continually rank Whistler as a world-class ski mecca, but we all know it's there. There's this, it's all subculture. It's not not brought into the main eye of, no one wants to talk about it, but we have to now, you know. We're losing people all over the place left and right, and, and it's time to talk about it. This sums up Sean's main message in the month since his best friend's tragic death. He wants to get the drug culture out from the shadows, from behind closed doors, so the community can have a frank and open discussion, regardless of how it may sound, to the all-important visitor. In the midst of BC's opioid epidemic, Sean's calling for free, anonymous drug testing to be made available throughout the resort, so drug users can be confident in what they're taking, and so no one has to lose a friend the devastating way he did. Stop hiding. Don't be afraid. What's worse than losing a young person? What's worse than, than these horrible tragedies? You know, people are going to stop coming here because there's some people that do drugs here? No, no, they're going to come here for skiing, whether they're going to come or not. So it's really, it can't, we can't be, we can't be judging lives for, for, for money and, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's time to, to do something about it in a, in a good way, in a positive way. It's not supposed to be like that. It's not, you know, life's not supposed to be like that. But I guess uh, life's not supposed to be like anything, I guess. It is what it is.
is all the time we have for this episode. I just want to say a huge thanks to Ace McKay-Smith and Scott Arkwell for coming out and joining us here in the Party Limo. All the people who took time to share their stories with us this month. Yeah, we had a great time. Uh, we want to thank uh, Local Automotive uh, in Whistler for letting us record in their limo, and we'll be back with another episode next month, hopefully. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we're we going to get the Party Limo out on the streets at Whistler? We're going to talk to you. We're going to come to you, folks. You're going to come in the Party Limo, and you're going to have a great time. It's not going to be creepy. No, no. I mean, we might just roll the window <laughs> down a little bit. The tinted if you windows. see two pale white dudes <laughs> leering out. out at you from a black limo. <laughs> just say yes. Get in that limo. Just say yes. Don't think twice about it. Bring we're friendly. Your, we're think friendly. about your best stories. We'll you have can... hot chocolate. No. Well, well yeah, yeah. And Bailey's, maybe. Hot, maybe. This is a family-friendly podcast, right, so right, right, right. We'll, we'll have some green tea okay, and some treats from Purebred. I like it. All right. So, yeah, bring your stories to the Mountain Mythic Limo, and we will see you guys here next month. I'm Brandon Barrett. I'm Braden Dupuy. What? Oh, you're creaking. <laughs> Just let's do it. Okay. Do you want Thank to you that? for tuning in, or what are we saying? I don't know. Sure. I feel like we say it so much. We, we thank people all. It's too much. Well, this is like less, much less thanking than we did in the That's first true. few episodes. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so, I think it's good. And like we'll catch you next time for, for next episode or next installment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We got it. <laughs> and Whistler, we will catch you next time for another episode of Mountain Mythic. In the party limo. In the party limo! <laughs>